0: Well, I'm excited because I've never really talked about money on here, and I'd love to have that spiritual attraction, energy, you know what I mean, interwoven conversation, how that relates to one another.
1: Yeah. When I talk about relationship with money, to me, it is a pain door Mm -hmm. into relationship with life existence the universe so that's what i'm really talking about but money is sort of like a spiritual teacher who is gonna like grab you by the throat to get your attention totally
0: hey everybody welcome to lauren.live the spirituality and health podcast i've got morgana morgana Ray with me. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you. Good. I'm so happy to have you on the show. We are talking about many things, but specifically we're going to dive deep into money, the world of money, currency. Mm -hmm. This is a big part of our human experience here on earth, right? We all have some or none or a lot, and we're going to talk about relationship with money specifically, attracting it in, and also love and how that can play a part in all of it. So um, Morgana is a best-selling author. Obviously, I already said she she's an expert on the relationship with money, and um, she's a mentor and a coach and... I would love if you could give just an intro on yourself, who you are, and how oh. you got into this whole, how did you get into money? Why is this oh, okay. your area?
1: That, that was never the plan, really. I went to Smith College on the East Coast and got a degree in religion. Mm. Like, so, like, money was not on my radar. And when I came home to Los Angeles, I pursued acting because, you know, art, theater, that's it's kind of a requirement when you live in L.A. And I started coaching because acting is it's like just a dangerously seductive, narcissistic insecure world I know everybody's shocked and and during one of those million dark nights of the soul I accidented upon a a coaching program for the entertainment industry and I took their program it's called Flashboard I don't know if it still exists but you know shout out to them and it was life-changing for me because it was the first time I realized that because I felt I As the actor, I was like the child at the grown-up table. Please, sir, can I have some more? But what I discovered is that all the writers and directors and producers and even the movie stars are just as insecure, are just as hat in hand, please green light my project. And I decided to become of service. So I volunteered, begged for the opportunity to be a coach for – future cycles of that coaching program because I thought I could do it I think yeah I think I mentioned I was this religion major I as a child I was the child who had this uncanny knack to see into who people really are and I made the grown-ups feel better about themselves I connected them to their true selves completely inappropriate for a child but that's just how I was built I am sure there are people watching and listening who totally relate. You know, they call us old souls, even though souls are eternal. So how can any soul not be old? But I digress, which is a thing I do. So I had all these movie star and director and producer coaching clients getting these miraculous results, like actors with no credits, getting primetime TV series overnight. And I was so much happier focusing on other people, helping other people. It was such a, and you all understand where I'm coming from. It's so much easier to give than ask. So it was like my happy, it was my happy place. It was where I felt like I was my best self. And I sort of accidentally found my life purpose through pursuing acting and discovering that once I started getting roles, I really I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to be a coach. Yay. But that created a new problem. I was really good at coaching. I was really good at attracting people who I could help. And it was like the record scratched as soon as the topic of money came up. I know I'm the only one. I'm in my happy place doing my magic. But as soon as somebody asked me, how do you work or what do you charge? By the way, I didn't understand that how do you work is a euphemism for what do you charge? So I would lay out like the, I would like dissect the the innards of everything that I did trying to explain that. That's not what people wanted to know. They just wanted to know what I charged. But I, I when I'd be asked that question, I would choke, I would get so uncomfortable, feel so guilty, feel so ashamed, worry, fear that people thought I only cared about money. I became so afraid of letting them down. It really, honestly, money just opens up to the world, all of our soft white underbelly insecurities of human existence. Am I I wanted, am I lovable, am I worthy, am I safe, am I powerful or powerless, like all the biggies. Mm -hmm. And so here I was this straight A student, even after a car accident and a coma and a head injury and a learning disability, I graduated with honors from Smith college. Oh, and throw in homeless. And I have half a dozen certifications. I have all these movie star client testimonials, the marketing, the website, the public speaking. And I am living in Los Angeles earning a hundred dollars a month beat that competitive failures out there so you, you that doesn't even cover that might cover cable right? <laughs> but nothing like doesn't cover food rent insurance car any gas mm-hmm. anything meanwhile i'm flying out of town every weekend to take more coaching classes, more marketing classes, hoping that will solve the problem. So I'm completely just building credit card debt, borrowing from family, feeling like such a loser failure. And at the same time, noticing I'm getting better results for clients so I can feel superior and inferior at the same time. Spiritual people, you know what I'm talking about. And I think, kind of hit the end of my rope. 12-step program people call it, I hit bottom, where I had finally like my Hail Mary was, I mean, I'm working with coaches, I'm taking classes, I'm taking so many classes that I'm starting to take classes telling me to do what I've already done. And I have this Hail Mary class where I'm going to take a class on overcoming sales objections, which means and this is how they market it. Learn the magical words that turn a no into a yes or something like that. You know, great marketing. Thumbs up for that. And I did it. I could, I'm a good student, right? I put my good girl hat on and I was a good student. I mastered the word seven people in a row. I used the magic words. They said they would hire me. And seven people in a row never showed up and never paid. Because if we're going to go on a deeper woo-woo level, I know that I'm talking to the right people here, it doesn't really matter what you do if it's out of alignment. If your conscious brain with all the best intentions and hard work in the world is going in one direction and your subconscious is going in another and we can add on to that spirit, universe, soul, whatever words you want to use. But if they're going in two different directions, the subconscious and your spirit are always, always going to win. Mm-hmm. Through this experience, and I've coached thousands of people since, by the way, I've made millions of dollars. I have millions of dollars. I've coached thousands and people. I've reached hundreds of thousands of people. I get, spotted in restaurants and airports on other continents where people recognize me and call me the money, honey lady. This is where I am now, but I wanted to tell you where I was and I'll tell you how I got from point A to point B. But what I want to say is what I have come to believe very, very deeply from my own experience with money and then with love and by being the coach through this process and seeing the results so many times over decades, I have observed that if you find yourself in the situation where you are doing everything you're supposed to be doing at a certain point, it's not like what you're supposed to do is a secret. There are all the books in the world, all the coaches, all the classes. If you are trying them all out, doing your best, doing it well, and you're still not seeing results. And this can be money, it can be love, it can be hope. If you are doing everything right and you are still not seeing results and at a certain point you just have to go, wow, this does not make sense. And it feels like the universe is against me here because it's not fair and it makes no logical sense and there's nothing more that I can do. Whenever you find yourself in that situation, it is my experience that you are actually not failing. You are not self-sabotaging. <laughs> you are not your own worst enemy, no matter how many people might think that or tell you that. That doesn't make logical sense. You know, everything in your being serves one prime directive, which is to protect you and take care of you. So when you find yourself in that place and, and it's not working, you are protecting yourself from what you're pursuing and you're doing it really well, yay you. And it's coming from a loving, kind place, yay you. And protecting yourself from money could kill you. Because if we're really honest, we need it. We really need it. I believe the universe gets our attention primarily through three spiritual teachers, money, love and health. And money gets your attention the quickest. And it touches everything else. I mean, they all do. But money is kind of urgent. You can't get your health fixed. It gets in the way of relationships. You can't have a house, food, the things that you need to live uh, without money first. So it will always get your attention the fastest. So if that is your spiritual teacher, yay you, it's going to get your attention. So let's move it. So. What happened for me, I think I, I'm not the most linear storyteller there is. And I obviously (laughs) don't script anything. Dive in if you have a question. Uh, But so here I was, I had just taken this class on overcoming sales objections. Seven people stood me up. And it was after that seventh one that it's like the cart's, came off the carriage like I just I lost it I just I lost my last gasp of hope it hurt so deeply it felt like such a personal rejection not just by that stranger but by life itself by the universe saying you are not wanted you can't even make a living You are not wanted, no matter how talented you are, no matter, surprise, you found out what you're here to do and you can't make a living at it. Ha ha. The universe felt so cruel and I didn't want to be here. Seriously. I wanted to take my ball and leave the planet. And you know what that means? I took it really, really hard. And I remember getting stood up that last time, freaking out and just in hysteria, dragging the the blackout curtains in my teeny tiny little one bedroom apartment that I could not afford. And getting on my bed and just lying down and screaming. Mm-hmm. Screaming and crying and wailing and raging. Feeling frightened and angry and heartbroken and hopeless. And I just cried and cried and raged until I was cried out. And when I was out of tears, I had two thoughts, you know, that quiet, annoying back of the head voice. No, actually I love that voice, but the first thought was maybe money needed to be my next area of spiritual growth. And Full disclosure, that was a cheat. I'm from Los Angeles. Spirituality is like in the air with the smog. You know, it's in the water. It's easy. Uh, But I thought, well, if I could hide money in the spiritual box, then maybe I could justify it or do something with it. So it was a baby step. Yay, baby steps. Big fan of baby steps. And the other thought was, What the heck is going on inside of me that can't be with money? Because this does not make any sense. And I got really curious. That is not when the shift happened. That is right before the shift happened. The next day, I had a call with my coach, which is insane that I had a coach. I couldn't pay rent, but I had a coach. Thank goodness it saved my life. And this was a lovely guy. I graduated from coaching school the same time he did. He was just doing better, and I really liked his ethos. And he, we'd been working together for months, and nothing he suggested worked. Not his fault. It was like I had money repulsing superpowers, and if I were a superhero, there'd be a giant R on my chest underneath the cape. And not his fault. But I got to tell you that day that I showed up in complete despair. I don't know what inspired him, but he asked me this weird question that changed my life and started me on this path. And I even went back and offered to partner with him on what I'm going to teach him. He said, no, this is you, this is yours. It never worked on anybody else. And then I had to learn how to make it work on other people. So This is the question you want to lean in for. I'm in this horrible, despairing, everything is a failure, nothing works place. And he asked me, if your money was a person, who would your money be? And because I was already in such like a thick, overwhelmed, emotional, dark place, which means All of my neurology was already lit up in freak out, despair, anxiety mode. Because of that, I instantly saw who my money was as a person. Because to be honest, I am not a good visualizer. If you ask me to sit down by a river, I will spend 45 minutes trying to decide which river. But my pain overrode my brain. Which is really, really useful because that's how you communicate with the subconscious is through feelings and symbols. So he asked me, who would your money be? And in an instant, I saw this big, scary, dirty, violent biker dude, bald, big sideburns, white beater shirt, tattoos, jeans, nothing wrong with that kind of guy. But this one. This one was terrifying and evil and dangerous and caused fights. And every cell of my being was like, whoa, distance, red alert. And I imagined myself at this live outdoor event with my eye on him constantly to create maximum distance between myself and this guy. And that was my light bulb aha moment. That, that for the very first time in my life, my financial situation made sense. If I felt that way about money and I never knew that I felt that way about money, then of course, no matter what I did consciously, it was going to be wasted effort because the entire entity of Morgana existed to create safe, a safe distance from money. And that's a problem. Because there was no way that I could have money in my life if it was that guy. Because I shouldn't have that person in my life. He was bad. I had good reasons for protecting myself from him. So I realized there was no way I could have money in my life. If it was that guy, I had to get rid of him. Yay, the monster's gone. It felt like being... like. In this vacuum, like the emptiness really shocked me. And I had never known he was there. But once he was gone, it was like, whoa, this feels weird. And I had a new problem. I lived in L.A. And I had just rejected my only relationship with money. And I knew I needed to have a relationship with money. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, if you have ever been in a really, really bad Abusive, soul-crushing, dangerous relationships. You know that you're not in a hurry to jump into that again. No, you're going down to like your hair salon and getting all your hair chopped off, <laughs> and you're throwing out all your clothes, and and you d- and you do not want to dive in to that experience again. So I was not really feeling like I wanted to have a relationship with money, but I knew I needed one Mm -hmm. and I knew it needed to be completely different. So I asked myself, who could I want? Who could I want so much as a human being that I would want this person, even if it happened to be money. And because my experience of the monster was so real and he was so gone Again, the new person just showed up. And by the way, I will walk you through how to do this. There are six steps hidden in my story, but they'll make more sense if I tell you my story, my long rambling story. We're almost at the end. I promise. That's good. So I, <laughs> I asked myself who would I want instantly this beautiful, gorgeous, romantic, tall, dark, handsome, sweetheart of a guy dressed to the nines in a tuxedo and a bouquet of red flowers as if he wanted to take me out to the opera and show me off, right? Wanted to woo me. And my reaction was first, wow, he's so cute. He's so safe. He's so loving and sweet. And money wants to woo me? What? What? That's so weird. But it feels good. And I also had this experience that I had been breaking his heart for many, many years that I was the one with power in the relationship. Hello, I have the body. I had been breaking his heart and I never even knew it and pushing him away and treating him like a monster. And he wanted to be with me and I had no idea how to allow money to be with me. Because my entire neurology had been conditioned to push money away since I was a child mm. without even knowing it. just family fights, stolen inheritances, drama, rejections. And I was like, I want none of that. I, I will just love everybody and money is not my business. And that was a tra- that was a decision I made when I was 12 years old and you and then discovered at 32. that, <laughs> that, that decision had really stuck. So, money wants to be with me. I don't know how to let money be with me. So, I ask, and getting distracted by my bangs. Um, so, I asked, and this is the great thing, when money becomes a person, a real person, and you know what he feels like, and, and what he sounds like, and what he looks like, or she, or they... But whoever lights you up, when you ask a question, you get an answer, and you get an answer through the eyes of love, without any of your neuroses, your adorable human neuroses. You just—it's kind of a a workaround. So I ask, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? Which, by the way, is a very different question than what do you need from me so you'll love me? Love is unconditional. Presence is not. You have the power to push money away anytime and you will, through this process, become way more conscious of when you're doing it so that you can stop and choose love. So I asked, I asked money, what do you need from me? And he said, I need you to love me and I need you to stop treating me like a monster. For everybody who just thought the love of money is the root of all evil, love is not evil love is not greed. Love is not exploitation. Love does not cause harm. Love is not scarcity. Love does not not victimize. It's never, ever, ever evil. Love is generous. Love is selfless. Or it has that feeling of just, you know, A feeling so secure and so full that that your love pours over. It is noble. It is divine. It is your best self. And I have a friend in the UK who took a class in ancient Aramaic so she could study the original translation of that passage in the Bible. And what it really said thousands of years ago, what it originally said was the worship of money will cause you problems. Because we shall not. What is it? Uh, thou shalt not worship false idols. So love is different than worshiping. Love is between partners. It doesn't make you a little person down there and money is way up here. No, these are, it's an intimate relationship. You have the power to break your money's heart and you actually have the power because you have the body. I'm not teaching anybody to sit on a couch and expect your money, honey, to Go and do your life for you. I know the secret can sound a little like that sometimes. Um, by the way, I'm friends with most of the people who were in that movie. So, and I've coached a bunch of them. So like, I know, mm-hmm. I know stuff behind You know, Bob
0: Doyle, he was on my show. He. Helped. I love yeah. Bob. Yeah. He's such a good guy. Yeah, We talked all about law of attraction and all of the things. So yeah, he's great. I love Bob. He's
1: a super sweet guy. He's got a lot of good energy. (laughs) Totally, totally. So And cute, too. Don't tell my husband, but we'll get to my husband next. But anyway, um, but I had a crush on Bob before I met my husband. Bob doesn't know that.
0: Now he (laughs) might. We'll see. I'm going to send this to him. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Anyway. um, All right. Where were we? I completely lost my train of thought. All right. So love of money. Mm -hmm. just choose love, be a loving relationship partner and listen to what your partner wants and needs. Because by definition, this new relationship with money shares your values, loves you, wants you to be happy, wants you to make choices that honor and exalt you and bring out your best. Mm -hmm. Anything else is a monster. So step I haven't numbered the steps yet. So I had that conversation with my money, honey. He told me to love him and stop treating him like a monster, which raised the question, okay, what does that look like? How have I been treating him like a monster? Well, every time somebody asked me what I charged, and I was freaking out. ah! Like money was this really smelly, steaming, embarrassing, shameful, horrifying thing that I didn't want anyone to notice. And yeah, that was really rejecting. So I made it. promise that next time he brought me a gift, which at the time usually looked like a client, I would say thank you, like energetically thank you. Somebody wants to know my fee, I would state my fee with that feeling of thank you and appreciation and isn't he beautiful. And I kid you not, over the next 48 hours, four people hired me at double what I'd ever charged before. I immediately, like within 24 hours, started getting queries from people who wanted to hire me and I got to try it out. Mm -hmm. And it was uncomfortable as anything because I was so used to talking people out of giving me money and I had to shut up. Mm -hmm. Best sales skill in the world is shut up. (laughs) When somebody asks you what you charge and you tell them, be quiet because when they get quiet, they're just figuring it out. And it is not your job to convince anybody of anything. If they are your clients and you connect and it's, and they're adults and they can make decisions for themselves. You do not have to convince them. Mm -hmm. That's how you can recognize an ideal client, but that's, that's a whole other story. So the process, I had to break it down later because I was getting all these clients. I had the first four, but they kept coming and they kept coming. And I started having waiting lists and doing group coaching. I I wrote my book that we'll talk about later. I'll hold it up for the camera in case this is on camera. And because my clients were human. uh, No, I don't coach cats because they're just really not coachable. (laughs) Um, yeah, I am a cat lady. I hid them all before the podcast. So because my clients are human, they generally speaking tended to have money issues. Money is the number one excuse. Any human being gives for what they can't have to or be. Now that's not just people who don't have money. I have coached people who had nothing I have coached people on public assistance. I've coached a client who was living in a trailer park without water and power. And she borrowed the money to fly to Bali to work with me. And now she lives in a mansion. Wow. And I've also worked with clients with millions, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And they have very painful, scary money drama too. Mm-hmm. Because they're human beings. And they have the same underlying issues that create a money monster. And I think I mentioned them way back a hundred years at the beginning of our conversation. Any pain around love or worth or safety or power is going to show up in your relationship with money. Whether you have it or you have it and you're afraid of losing it or you have it and, and it makes you a target or makes you the bank. So what we really want here is, yes, I totally want you to have incredible abundance. I want you to thrive. I want all of the healers and the do-gooders to absolutely thrive financially. Because if our healers and do-gooders can't make money, we lose our healers and our do-gooders. And not just people who do bad stuff should be rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. So the way to shift your relationship with money, first of all, it's not going to be in the money story. I know it sounds like it was my money story and money events that created my money monster, but that actually was just the access point to the pain. The real cause of money drama, whether you have nothing or billions, is always, always going to be wounds around love. Am I really, truly loved and lovable? Worth Am I really valued? Am I worthy? Am I good enough? Safety. Is the world a safe place for me? Which means it can be accidents or violence or illness or any kind of scary trauma or just world events that make you feel scary or ancestral stuff. We have a lot. We've got Holocaust. We've got the crossing, we've got a lot of stuff around the world that, ki- that we carry in ourselves that can make the world feel like an unsafe place. Am I powerless or have I ever felt helpless? And you just look for anything that you can find that lights up some pain. Even if you've healed it a million times, if you can milk it, do it because you've already paid the price. You've already paid the price. Milk it for all that it's worth. I call the process alchemy. Financial alchemy, register trademark. Alchemy is the transmutation of lead into gold. And for my purposes, lead in human experience into spiritual and material gold. So step number one uncovering covering the root cause is extracting all the lead and bringing it out into the light. Magnify everything that's bad. Ignore the good for a little while. Take off your positive thinking hat. Lock it in a lead box. You'll get it later. Don't minimize, just put on your victim hat. This is what that victim experience was waiting for. This is, I believe our victim experiences are sacred. They give us humility. They teach us empathy. They teach us to respect the experiences of other human beings. And they are a great source of transformational power. They're like, like a slingshot. We go, we go into the victim experience and it creates this tension to catapult us over to where we want to be. If we just start with the positive thinking, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a poisonous wound. And if we stick the Band-Aid on the wound and it, we can't suck it out, it will turn inward and kill us. I know this because I had a cat bite and I put a Band-Aid on it and a black line was going up my arm. And if I am getting numb and if I hadn't gone to the emergency room, I would have died great right? metaphor based on real life but it's also true with our traumas so don't don't just affirm them away actually use them for for that like elastic stretchiness go into the pain whatever it is especially the stuff that may not look directly like it has to do with money parents childhood friends lovers business partners broken dreams anything you may feel like any regrets or shame it's all holding energy so i want you to it's almost like you're building a case against the universe start with the personal stuff you can throw on some things that are going on outside of you that might really uh, light up a lot of negative emotion like Some of us are very passionate about animals and the climate and women's rights and stuff like that. You can throw it all in there and make the world a terrible place. That's step number one. Uncover the root cause. It's already there. We're just getting conscious of what is blocking us. What are we protecting ourselves? Put everything that makes the world an unloving place that doesn't value you, that isn't safe, that makes you feel helpless, and just put it in there. You do not need to go so far that you dissociate or re-traumatize yourself. It's not necessary. We are not going to harm you, okay? So you do not have to go that far. Just get enough to get some energy, right? This is for the science geeks who are who are following This is neuroplasticity. We have to light up the neurology so we can rewire your brain so that you don't have to muscle through everything. We want to make it automatic. So you feel things. It's not intellectual. It's feeling. And when you get a critical mass of ick, that is the scientific term, my critical mass of ick, and you're feeling it on a scale of 1 to 10, you can say 10. That's when you imagine That all of this is caused by an imaginary person that we call your money monster. We give personhood to the root cause, to everything that's wrong. And it feels real. Sometimes clients might make it a little cartoonish, uh, and that creates a little emotional distance, and we don't want that. So we wanna give, we wanna give like a person, personal form to the root cause because that makes it real and not abstract. So a way to find the form is like, how big is it? Is it hot or cold? What does it smell like? What do its fingernails look like? What do its teeth look like? What do it, what do its eyes look like? What is its breast like? What does it think when it looks at you? What does it want to do to you? And it's all bad. It is not your parents. Even if your parents were monstrous. It used your parents to hurt you. It's not your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, no matter how awful they were, but it used them and they share some of those qualities. And it's sure as heck not you because step number three, we're going to destroy it. Annihilate it, obliterate it in the most ridiculously violent and final way possible. I'm the person who churns away at the worst scenes in movies You know, I, I know that my crowd is the love and light people, but to rise up out of victimhood, which kind of has this damp, heavy quality, the fire of anger and destruction is actually, it's like Archangel Michael or Durga from the East. It's that kind of decision doesn't even have to be anger it is simply decision this no longer gets to exist in my life experience only one of us gets to survive i choose me and you do not get to exist anymore and then you destroy the monster by any means necessary it's all imagination and destroy it to the point that there are no bloody bits to reconstitute into some monster zombie like flamethrowers, ashes, cosmic vacuum cleaner, sulfuric acid. I have, you know, there are lots of just make it gone. And when it's gone, that's step three. You'll feel it. Check to make sure it's completely gone, which leads to step four. Now you get to meet your money, honey. When the monster and everything it represents and embodies is gone, all that exists is love. So your new relationship with money is going to feel like love. It's not going to feel like cash. It's going to feel like love. And I find that a lover archetype works best, but also be gentle with yourself, especially if you have sexual trauma. Your money, honey, is safe. Always safe. Loves you, respects you, wants you to be okay. Okay will never push anything on you. It's very, it's what we're actually secretly doing. And I don't keep any secrets, obviously. Client um, confidentiality, but I really try to just, I literally am, I'm trying to pack in 20 years of work into 40 minutes. Good luck. I, I, won't succeed, but I'll do my best. So where was I? Um, your money, honey, safe, loves you. And we are while we're reprogramming your relationship with money, we are also reprogramming your relationship with love. All your relationships will improve after this their relationships that are not worth having will go away because we are changing your relation. We are improving your relationship with yourself, your relationship with life. And then we're calling it money Mm -hmm. air quotes money because money is that area of life that we need to heal. We need to bring love and healing to that area of life for our survival and for the species. So you meet your money, honey, will also feel very human very lovable very safe you get to choose do you want to keep the person yay do you not want to keep the person don't go back and see if there's any money monster stuff to clear up or if you can just let you know you get to choose you'll know like i remember many many years ago a client said my money, honey, looks like Yanni, but he's a sexy Yanni. And I thought that was so cute. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not my type, but I like him. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. So, and then step number five is have a conversation with your new relationship with money. As I said, the love is unconditional. Presence is not. Ask for guidance. Listen to what comes back. My experience is the answer can come back so quickly and softly you can pretend you didn't hear it. And then finally, last action is last step is six action. Action is magical. If you want concrete physical results, take a real action. It doesn't have to look like it has to do anything to do with money. Sometimes it'll be balance your checkbook. Sometimes it'll be do your taxes. Sometimes it'll be call those people who owe you money, but sometimes it'll be go skating get a pedicure, stay home and do laundry. I have a client who stayed home and did laundry and got a $20,000 client while she was home. Mm -hmm. That's just magic 101. There always has to be some kind of physical ritual expression. And when you make a commitment to your money, honey, and you keep it, no matter how tiny or silly it may be, it has a huge impact on your own sense of self on your own worthiness on your own trustworthiness because at the end of the day, if we feel like we can't trust money, it's really that we can't trust ourselves. So what everything is, what a microcosm of everything else. I choose money as what I talk about because it's, It's just a pain door into this room that is our life experience. Mm -hmm. And the way I talk about money is really weird and that's useful. And my clients have made many, many millions of dollars in shocking amounts of time. My client, Anna, September of last year, Very, very skeptical. She went on my money goddess retreat and she was sort of like arms crossed. And is this really worth it? I don't know that this is really worth it. Very, very, very difficult to coach. I coached her. She got it. I coached both her relationship with money and her relationship with love. It took seven hours in a group retreat. And she made $1.2 million over the next four months. And the first thing she noticed immediately after the retreat was her relationship with her husband. It completely shifted. Um, My client, Perry did my money goddess retreat and she made, and I didn't even know this until she had me speak on her stage three years later. And she's introducing me. And I find out that she made over $12 million and she had zero, she had zero, she had to borrow to work with me. So, and I only give those examples because I need to anchor it in reality. Everything that I was sharing, stories, theory, I need to really, really anchor it in reality. The useful thing about money is it's measurable. And we spiritual people are so good at the higher chakras. Like, vision, Global connectedness, intuition, heart connection. I'm, you know, we are so groovy down with the higher chakras and then we freak out below the belt and money is a second chakra topic like sex, which is why making your money, honey, like a lover archetype does double duty. So if we want to have money in our life and we want to make money, we have to get really friendly. With the lower chakras, our sense of security, the root chakra, the second chakra is, is our creativity, our love of having a body, pleasure, love, worth, value, connection, material, beauty, it's all Venusian second chakra stuff. We need to link them all up to serve. Our highest purpose, I believe the only true purpose of money is to serve love, lifestyle, and legacy.
0: Boom. We're done for the day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you for your
1: time. <laughs> that was
0: awesome. There's so much. I mean, yeah. It's it's cool to, to how do I respond to that? I mean, I think it's cool listening because, you know, of course everyone has their personal experience. So I'm like thinking about when I was a kid and how my parents and like our, you know, my status with money over the years. And, um, I feel like it's pretty neutral actually. Like for me personally, I'm just speaking for my truth. Like, I feel like I've always had enough in my life to feel comfortable. Like I'm very grateful for that. I've never been poor. I've never been super rich. I've always been kind of middle-class and now as I've grown spiritually, um, Someone told me something about just like visualize, there's so much money. There's abundance of money in the world. It comes and goes. It can come and go to you. It comes and goes to other people. And I feel like that helped me because um, everyone likes to have money and be secure. Like duh, we're human. It feels good, like you said. But the attachment aspect is a huge thing in spirituality. It doesn't just have to be to money. It could be anything. Not being too attached to it, but you can still love it. I love when you talk about loving because you know a lot of people probably hear you say, Oh, loving money is dangerous. No, because love isn't ego. Love isn't greed. Love isn't all these bad things that you think about, all these politicians or corporations that are doing slimy bad things that have all this money. That's that's not really love. That's fear. That's fear. And that attachment. Power. Yeah.
1: Attachment is fear-based. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get fearful, money has become a monster again. Exactly.
0: So the attachment thing I'm really resonating with, and I think that's the one thing I really wanted to throw in just for myself to remind myself and people listening could be with anything, be attachment to love anything, Um, attachment to things. um, It doesn't mean you can't appreciate them. It doesn't mean you can't want some money, have money, do things, enjoy it, give it to other people. Again, it's coming and going. It's circulating. It's just it's energy. Um, It is a physical thing on the earth, but. I think the attachment aspects really interesting to look at, Mm -hmm. um, not being too attached to it. Um, and I also heard someone say something like ask for the money, believe you will get it, but also what are you going to do with it? Be specific what you want to do with it. And, how are you, are you going to help somebody with it? Maybe how are you going to help somebody with it? Like, what are your thoughts on that? And it, I'm not saying that to like, make yourself feel better, but I truly do want to have enough money so that I can help raise my children. Like that's a true, honest, it's not just for me. Like I want to help other people. If I have enough money, I want to donate to, to places. Cause I can afford to do that. Like giving that money back into the circulation. Like that's interesting too. the energy exchange. Oh, of course.
1: So a few things. Um, yeah, I find having a number, I love working with numbers, especially when a client is just talking about hiring me. I find, or after I've just coached them, I love, and I, I'm i clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient, claircognizant too, but clairaudient hearing mm-hmm. things before they happen uh, or before I hear them comes up a lot when I coach and I'll sometimes ask how much or by when, and they'll tell me what I heard. Mm. And sometimes they'll tell me something different. I'll go, really? And they'll go, and then they'll backtrack and go, well, and then they'll tell me what I heard. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not, I'm not attached to being right. Who cares? I just want to serve and be in integrity. So I find that having a number can be very, useful for manifestation. But at the same time, if it's not happening and something is in the way, it's very useful to hunt out a monster, um, to be completely crass because it's fun. Uh, the bed is not big enough for your money, honey, and your money monster at the same time, your money monster will cock block your money, honey. Mm. And I'm working, you know, I, I shifted the way I do business in recent years to really just focus on my favorite clients. So I'm taking fewer new people. It's not that I don't, but I've really been focusing on longer term uh, programs with people. I just had already worked with. And what's really, really fun with that is they've become so good at slaying monsters Sometimes they'll just tell me, oh, I slayed a monster and now I have more orders coming in and we have to hire new people Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's an evolutionary process. It isn't a silver bullet, you know, oh, I did this and it may last for years and it may, and maybe you just are evolving faster and you need to do it again sooner. So it shows up in different areas. So I have clients who are already making millions of dollars and then eh, suddenly all these orders fall through and there's crazy drama with the builder who's building their mansion, like really true stuff that may sound like, Oh, cry me a river. But if, if you're actually working with these people and you know who they are and how painful it is, it actually really is. It's unfair and, and it's scary. And so you can think positively and you can take all the right actions, but, Dang, there is so much velocity that you can create when you create polarity. So you said that you were neutral, which is great. It's fine. You do not need to go out and create drama. I promise you life will bring you enough drama in other areas because that's why we have flesh suits. But for transformation, neutrality is not magical. Polarity is. So if I were to coach you, it would just be a lot more effort to get you there because you're not in the pain and you don't need to be. But for the person who is listening, who is in pain, who is feeling anxious and scared and in that dark place, you actually have a huge advantage. No, you are not like a law of attraction failure. You have an advantage in this process because you are so much closer to uncovering the monster and the monster well i give it a really bad rap intentionally and i say it's all evil it has no good it's going to destroy you you have to you have to completely annihilate it it is also your ally it is a sacred portal for transformation and you still have to kill it
0: yeah <clears throat> And it's, I mean, it's obvious, but it it seems like a lot of people, not every situation, it's not every situation, but it's kind of like therapy. It's cheesy. Go back to your childhood. It it is interesting though. I think there are a lot of people that have relationships with money based on things that happened when they were younger and there it's just, you know, it's along with many things, love. That's why it's so deeply connected, love and money. Um, I just think that's really interesting. I think a lot of people maybe not, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to put words in people's mouth, but go back. Just anyone listening, go back and think about your relationship with money and how that when you were a kid and your parents and your experiences, I think that's really interesting and um, plays probably a role.
1: I think that our parents are our first relationship with money. Yeah, They tell us if we're loved and wanted or not. They make us feel safe or not. Yeah. They make us feel powerful or not. I have had clients who had great, great childhoods, great parents. And so then going out into the world and finding crises and finding that money became a problem and relationships became a problem, it was almost like a bait and switch like they were set up with these very high expectations and they were completely unprepared for what they encountered. And it, and it, and in that case it feels like they were lied to and it felt very unfair. And that's just the track we go to help those people uncover their monsters. Every, everybody has your own thing and it can be so seemingly inconsequential back in, I think it was 2007. I was coaching a gentleman. I mean, i mostly coach women, but I love guys too. And I, coachman and I coached this guy and his monster was rooted in an experience when he had, when he was two or three years old playing doctor with a little girl, they were just checking each other out. Innocent childhood curiosity. I know that I did that when I was a kid and an adult came in Mm -hmm. and his memory of the, the shame, we do not remember what the adult said, or how she reacted, but we know that his feeling of horror and shame embedded so deeply that it affected his relationships with money and women for decades. So here's the punchline. We slayed his mean monster, and and it was replaced with this elegant French woman. was his money, honey. And what she wanted him to do was she wanted him to go to Paris and take his son with him. And she said, it's okay to spend money. Just this was his relationship. I just want you to spend it on things worthy of me. Stop wasting it unconsciously. And so he had this new relationship with this elegant French woman, imaginary money, honey. And he made over a million dollars over the next six weeks. And yeah, it changed his relationship with women too. Not because of the money, but because of his own feeling of his own worthiness. It was like eye-opening to him. He looked back on all of these relationships that he had had all the years, over the years, and how he had misinterpreted, thought women didn't like him or weren't interested when they were. And he was like looking back at these new eyes, kind of seeing everything that he hadn't seen before. Because he suddenly was seeing things truly not clouded by this monster of low self-worth and fear.
0: It's fascinating. And everyone's story is so different and that's what's so unique and cool. And yeah, I just keep thinking about people that I know and people that I've watched shows or movies and just people's relationships. Some people tip generously and they don't even have a lot of money. Some people I've, my dad's a therapist. He has clients, big tech execs, millionaires, lots of money, same outfit, every time they come in, won't tip, super frugal, won't live. you know what I mean? It's just crazy. Like it's so different. Um, people live debt, have debt that are just frivolously spending. Like it's fascinating to me. Um, but I think gratitude, like, you know, that's cool to, um, go to France and spend things that you think are worthy. Like I'm thinking I'm not a millionaire. But when my husband and I were in Greece, we went to lunch at this like Namos Club. If anyone knows Mykonos, Namos, this beach club, hoity-toity, best people watching ever. We like didn't want to pay for the lawn chairs, so we decided to go down twenty-five feet, lay on the sand, and we were so happy. But we decided, you know what, we are going to do. We're going to splurge on this amazing lunch. spent a couple hundred bucks on lunch, which I don't normally do that. I just don't. Two hundred bucks, whatever, doesn't matter. We had the best time, the best memories, the best wine, the best dessert, a lifelong experience. That is, you, that's, that's priceless. It's like that credit card, right? Like $25 for the dessert, you know, but it was a priceless memory that we'll always have forever. And the money bought us that experience. But yet, I don't know, like just our, the gratitude that you could have for something
1: and that's, I, I'm really curious because when you describe it, I can feel like what a happy, expansive mm-hmm. energy you're in. Did you magnetize like some great client or some kind of windfall?
0: What do you mean, like um, before well, or after?
1: Yeah, like way, right after you did that. Mm.
0: Um, well, I did get a job. I got a. I was. I didn't have a job, and then I got a job offer. I can't remember. If I got it when I was back from the honeymoon, but I was unemployed at the time. So I don't know. I mean, I got a job that I got, and I went to a medium, and she told me to come up with a specific number, of what you want for salary. Because I've never been. That's one thing actually for me that's interesting. I've never been um, like confident when it comes to like asking for a pay raise or like that number, that salary. Like I, I'm. I have worth. I'm not going to take a job that I isn't gonna pay me enough to survive, but I, I feel like I could ask for more. That's one thing that I, I've, I don't, I'm not working right now, um, just cause I'm taking care of our children, but um, I do get a job after that and it was in the range that I wanted. So maybe, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, a little tip for when you're trying to, anybody who's listening for how to decide what to charge, is I have, I negotiate with my money, honey. What does my money, honey, want me to charge? And I start from there. I usually freak out because I'm a human being. And either I'll I'll go with that number or I'll give a counter offer, but we'll work out a number. This, the first time I did, this was back in 2005 and we work out a number that makes both of us feel whole. Like my money, honey feels okay. This is cool. I feel valued and I feel like, okay, this is an integrity. And, um, and just with practice, the resistance just diminishes and diminishes, especially Mm -hmm. in my experience, you have a certain price point and then you outgrow it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was very stretchy at a certain point, but then you outgrow it. And how you know is that one day you'll say the number and you'll feel this, Oh, sinking icky feeling of self betrayal in your gut and it's like ouch i can't i can't charge that anymore it's time to grow it's Mm -hmm. time to up it and the cool thing about when you raise your rate and i i do know of some coaches who believe that raising the rate is the value in itself like oh your clients will grow just from that there is some truth to that but that's not enough for integrity when you raise your rate You, if, if you're somebody with integrity and I assume anybody who's listening is, it will cause something in your gut that makes you anxious to really give value that is worthy of that price point and you will have to get better and you will get better results for your clients. And you will be of more service. That doesn't mean even doing more work. And this is like, this is kind of, you know, down the line as you get more and more masterful at what you do. At a certain point, delivering better results doesn't mean putting in more hours. It just means being better, mm-hmm. like knowing better how to help. And I think that that pressure and that fear of letting your clients down, some people have it, some people don't. I do. do, And I've been doing this 28 years. And when I lead a retreat or I start with a new client, I have that fear of, oh, my God, I cannot let them down. They are trusting me with so much. And that's a good thing because that like wakes you up that is the adrenaline that helps you perform like an athlete to deliver the goods and care and not just be looking at them as a paycheck mm-hmm.
0: yeah this is such a good conversation you could, i just keep thinking about everything it's just it's fascinating
1: we, we have to talk about the weddings i know okay,
0: okay. <laughs> well the gratitude thing let's just yeah before we do that. I just feel like so, I mean, gratitude has been so huge in my life just in the last few years. I feel like I've waited for so long for a lot of things to meet my husband, to get pregnant. I'm not, it's perfect for me, but I was later in the scheme of society and I felt like everything's just really come together for me. And I am so grateful and I feel the more that I'm grateful, I feel like the more things continue and that's kind of the law of attraction, all that kind of stuff, whatever. But, um, The gratitude thing with the money, I just feel like they're so connected, in my opinion.
1: Well, gratitude is an expression of love. And if you were to imagine that money is a real person, Mm -hmm. or let's pretend you, Lauren, you're you're my money. And if I were to say, I hate you, I resent you, you cause war, you prevent me from doing what I want to do, so many people are suffering because of you. I can't live my dreams because of you. I wish you didn't exist. I only have a relationship with you because I have to. How would you feel? I'd be like, Bye. Yeah. But if I'm like, oh, my God, I Energy. love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am the luckiest human being in the world to be
0: with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your love. I love you. Thank you for taking care of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't I just, that cool? It changes everything. And one thing I want to throw in really quick the medium that I saw that helped me she's helped me so much but um visualize the number whenever I pay her I pay her by check and she she told me whenever clients pay me I bless the check or the money and I wish that that um comes back to them like I don't know if she said tenfold but like double the amount like I thought that was just such a cool way to like the most you know you just take it and you're like thanks but there's so much energy that you could put in it's just about being conscious and I just think it's fascinating. It's, it's a really cool topic because um, we can change the way that we view money. I think we need to. Like as, as a, a society, species. you know what I mean? Yeah, we can have yeah. this talk on the podcast We're spiritual and gratitude, blah, blah, blah. But, okay, money has power in the society. Like, let's just be real. It just, it does. Yeah. But you, we can change, we can change it in a larger scale. Uh, but it's how you think about it. And, and it's interesting. It's, it's fascinating.
1: The key to large-scale change is individual human Mm -hmm. beings. The more people who have a loving, Mm -hmm. safe relationship with money where they feel valued and loved and safe, the more our problems are going to go away. You were talking about wealthy people who don't tip. When I look at oligarchs and I look at people for whom nothing is ever enough and they are so afraid of losing what they have. Mm And they're comparing themselves with that person who has even more mm-hmm. where they were, you and they are, you know, we have, we, we label them as rich, but they're actually not living. Mm-hmm. That's true. A, a, a what I consider enjoying, a wealthy
0: life. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. And if, and if you're, I had a client,
1: um, and this was very surprising to me back in 2006, uh, I had my first really wealthy client for this process. Up until then, everybody was sort of like healers, do-gooders, coaches who were in scarcity mode. And here I got this coach who had made millions and millions and millions of dollars in the music industry and no longer felt aligned with those values. So he became a coach and he had one client paying him $25 who would only coach with him every other week at 6 a.m. So it was like the client from hell <laughs> and he's not making any money. And he had a money monster who told him that he could not make money doing good. Hmm. He could only make money, not honoring his values. And that was his monster. Now he's made tens of millions of dollars as a coach. That's cool. Helping a lot of other do gooders. Yeah. Um, Love. Lifestyle and legacy. That's what money exists to serve. Love, lifestyle, and legacy. And anytime it doesn't, it becomes monstrous. So when somebody is afraid to tip, they they're living in fear and they have a monster. And I have a lot of compassion for them because they're suffering. Mm-hmm. Even though it may look very pretty on the outside and they may not even be very nice, they're suffering. Mm-hmm. And if we could get them to not suffer and feel loved and safe and valued, they'd be nicer and more generous. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, we could continue to talk about this all day. I have a feeling. But I do want to shift before we close because uh, Morgana has a really interesting um, story about her love of her life and Um, you said you guys got, have you gotten married over a hundred times or you, is that your goal? No,
1: that's, that's the goal. goal. Although honestly, there's no reason to stop. So like you, I started later in life and I am a big banner, carrying advocate and fan of midlife love. I think we're just smarter and we make better choices. That's not true for everybody. I know some people who made fantastic Mm -hmm. choices when they were young. I was not that person. Mm -hmm. So, 10 years ago, 2012, I'm teaching this, you know, make money, fall in love with you, slay your money monster, turn it into a money honey. I'm teaching all this stuff that I'm sharing with you right now. And I hear myself saying that thing about, you know, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and you aren't getting the results that you should be getting, you're protecting yourself and what you want. And I'm saying that and I swear as the words are leaving my mouth, I can hear myself thinking, Oh, that sounds just like your love life. Mm-hmm. I have been looking for the love of my life, my soulmate, my twin flame, since I chased Brian Patterson under the piano on his fifth birthday. Mm-hmm. And Brian was the older man. I believed every Disney movie I ever watched. Mm-hmm. It was, the, you, Cinderella was like my Bible. Those and damn movies,
0: I swear to God. they. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah
1: and i was taking every class and working with coaches and reading the books and online and doing everything i was supposed to be doing and getting rejected getting my heart broken doing neurolinguistic programming I, i'm coaches with every i'm friends with everybody and and hire everybody and i still i was still single and it was the deepest pain of my life so i was 45 years old and in 2012 i finally finally decided to slay a love monster. And my love monster was so much bigger than any money monster I ever had. It was as big as the universe.
0: So you're using the monster in both love and money.
1: Yeah. It was like anything, any experience, every relationship I could think of in my life that broke my heart. And I really got a very, very, deep visceral realization that love wanted to kill me Mm -hmm. starting with a violent borderline personality maybe bipolar drug addict mom my first experience of love you Mm -hmm. know and just every friend every boyfriend every every rejection and I just built it into the most ginormous monster that ever existed Mm -hmm. and I slayed it which was not easy because it was really big, but I just went at it until it was gone. And I met my husband two months later. And by the way, my money honey had been like a party to this for many, many years. My money honey had told me like years earlier that I was going to meet my husband. He was on his way. I would recognize him. He'd be unlike anybody else and he'd be ready for me. But there was no timeline when that was going to happen. Right. So I had a date my, with my husband two months later. I didn't even want to show up. His photo online for his like profile photo was horrible, horrible. You yeah. could not tell that he was cute, but he wrote a good letter. We had a good phone call. And I was wanting to stand him up the whole time that I was driving three hours from Moore Park to Los Angeles. And, but I didn't
0: glad thing. I didn't yeah, right?
1: right. And because I didn't want to be like the all the people who stood me up. Mm-hmm. And we had a six hour conversation wow. and I felt so safe and relaxed that I didn't feel any need to impress him. Mm-hmm. And the, about 11 dates into it, we became exclusive. And somewhere along the way, maybe it's six months or a year, I just knew Mm -hmm. that I would say yes when he asked me to marry him. And I'd never been married ever, ever, ever before. And I wasn't in a hurry. I just felt secure. And I also thought we'd have maybe two or four more years before he got there because he had been married before. It didn't go so well. (laughs) Um, But he proposed to me at 18 months. I had just finished my money goddess retreat in Bali. He was in South Africa photographing animals. Mm -hmm. And he proposed over Skype.
0: Oh my gosh, wow.
1: Right. So I flew home before I got cold feet because when you're 47 and you've never been married, you have commitment issues. <laughs> Me. And picked him up in the airport the next day. And the following day, we eloped. Oh, wow. And then we called our parents and we announced it on Facebook. And then two weeks later, we went down to uh, Mexico. Mm-hmm because my husband is a travel writer and he had an assignment and he said, Hey, I just got married. And they said, bring her long make at a honeymoon. And we were passing by an iconic cathedral, our lady of Guadalupe cathedral in Puerto Vallarta. And he said on a lark, Hey, you want to get married again? And we'd been married about 13 days. We were filthy, greasy. We had just had massages, no makeup, hair, like all over the place. And I said, sure, of course. So we walked into the cathedral, took off our rings, exchanged totally new vows. And we had witnesses and it landed deeper. Like it felt more real. And I felt more loved and something shifted and he saw it in my eyes. And that was the moment he came up with the idea. Let's get married a hundred times in a hundred countries. So cool! We've been married 26 times in 21 countries so far I have. And I know I probably told a way longer version of this than you intended. I apologize. But to wrap it up, I now have a theory that when you spend all that time, all that energy pursuing that thing you want, it's not wasted, Mm -hmm. even though you don't see it, you know, like bamboos where it's all below the surface and then boom, it grows really fast. It's like all those classes, all those dates. All the personal development, all the work on yourself, all the spiritual work, all of that work towards what you really, really, really want. Mm. Whatever it is, is not wasted. It's just building up. Totally. And the moment you make it safe, the moment you make it safe, things shift. Yeah. And... What I've seen many times because I can never predict what is going to happen or when or how much. So I love, I love the stories that come in every day. Mm -hmm. But all those years of putting it out there that I, you know, what I want in a partner, I want to travel the world with the love of my life. This is, you know, it was heard. And the moment it became safe, it all came in at once. So mm-hmm. it came in way bigger than I expected. A yes. hundred weddings instead of one.
0: See, I always feel like it does. Yeah. It's better than what you could <laughs> even expect. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Change happens at the speed of safety. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so if true. It
1: isn't, if it isn't changing, find out what isn't safe.
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, what a great story. I love that. Well, I'm very happy for you guys. That's, I'm glad Thanks. you found each other. <laughs> Yeah. Super Me cool. too. Wow.
1: He is my favorite person. Oh, that's the best.
0: Wow. Well, this has been a really fun, energizing conversation. You've got a lot of energy and you're giving a lot to people helping them. So thank you for your work and thank you for being on the show and sharing all these the six steps, your stories. Um, and of course, obviously people are probably like, okay, how do I how to make more money. How are are they going to find you? How are they going to, you know, learn more about this topic or, or coach with you or just anything connect with you? Um, where can they find you online?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, best place to find me is morganaray.com spelled just like my name, one word.com. And it is the mothership. It has everything. It has a four part money magnetic video series Some of the stuff we covered here, there's some stuff in that that we didn't cover here. It also has my money love quiz and my book. My book is, Mm. to work with me is a really serious investment. And I want more people to have the transformation than I have the time or the energy or the capacity to coach directly. So I wrote my book And it is a hybrid of book and self-coaching system. And if you go to Amazon, I think it has 64 five-star reviews now, but you can really get it anywhere. So go to my website, MorganaRay.com. Everything is there. My blog has hundreds of articles and videos. The book is more a curation of what is most important to need to know and do and have the transformation and maintain it with as little effort as possible.
0: Awesome. All right, people. And
1: (laughs) there's always more, sorry. My client Pam had her first quarter of a million dollar sales month just using the book before she ever hired me.
0: So cool. Options are endless. There's so many opportunities out there. So people check her out. I mean, this is just a wishing everybody, um, Love, happiness, success—whatever that looks like for you. Let's end on that note. Um, everyone's worth. I think that that's one thing I wanted to say too. Just like the, I love that you talked. To, uh, we'll close with this. Is just like it all. Com- the worthy part. Are you, are you worthy of love and money? And they're so closely connected because of that. Your self worth. That's something to really examine in yourself. If you feel like there's something missing, or like you said, things aren't changing. You're not getting results. Check out your worth. And get vulnerable with it because that's how I found my true love was I finally got super vulnerable like you did. You cried your eyes out and I just said, F this. I'm not doing this again. I'm having the next one that I'm going to be with is my true love. No doubts. And I'm getting vulnerable. I'm going to be alone. And I went through that pain and then he came. So get vulnerable. And um, you are so, everybody is so worth love and money and respect so just know that know that if you can take away one thing from this podcast so yeah thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here as a guest (laughs) it was my pleasure thank you thank you everybody